and uh, we're going to continue our study from the Sermon on the Mount <clears throat> and the advent of Christ into the world and how he reveals himself through these scriptures. As we approach <clears throat> the time that we remember as the birth of Christ, we think of the advent or the coming of Jesus into the world. And these scriptures help us to figure out what Jesus wants from us so that he might be our savior. And that's, um, it's a beautiful sermon that way. And um, all of these scriptures that we've been reading, they lead us to the point where Christ reveals himself in a certain way. And I think there's a surprise ending that we don't always anticipate. But in the meantime, we're going to be studying again from this chapter. Uh, we've read uh, a couple of verses, and we're going to uh, skip over one, which is um, verse 5. It, it goes along with verse 4 and 3, so I don't think we'll do any injury to the thought here. Verse, verse uh, 5 is, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And, um, and that goes with poverty of spirit and with um, and those that mourn for the loss of a connection with Christ, because he'll fill that if that's truly our heart's desire. But we're going to so, uh, focus this morning on verse 6 in our study. And um, <clears throat> we can call this the needy or the hungry and the thirsty, something like that. And we have to find ourselves <clears throat> somehow along the way, somewhere in life, as, as needy. And if we, we'll, we'll find through this study this morning that if we fail to find ourselves at points of time in life, because it's not only prior to our, our coming to a knowledge of salvation, but it's, it's during life after we've ask the Lord to be our savior, if we, if we get to the place where we seek being, well, we, we, we fail to be needy, let's put it that way, where we, um, we become self-satisfied, then we run into trouble because there's a certain blessing that comes from all of these verses. And this one is that, um, that, we, shall be, um, that we shall be filled. And so it's not bad at times, and, and I think you might agree every day, that we wake up and we find ourselves needy for these things because God will fill us, and if God fills us, who can be against us? Amen? All right. So this is a progression that we've been reading, and we covered your prayers this morning. There's lots to be... Um, burdened about this morning, lots to pray over. I hope as a congregation we're burdened for situations that the Lord only can solve and that we take this very seriously, uh, both individually as a congregation and with those that, that are in our, our universe, our circle of influence. To carry a burden, okay. I want to talk about three things this morning. I want about the right hunger and thirst. There is a hunger and thirst which God ordains, and that will lead us to being filled in Christ. And then there's a hunger and thirst for other things which will only get in the way 
and prevent us from being filled in Christ. It will lead us to the knowledge that we need to fast from something. We need to fast. You ever read in scripture about fasting and praying? We live in a day and time that we need to fast and pray about some things. It will lead us to that. And then third, if we are hungry and thirsty about the right things and we're fasting from the wrong things, we will be hungering and thirsting after righteousness. And if we hunger and thirst after righteousness, he says we'll be filled. I have a concern this morning that we examine ourselves and find out if we are hungering and thirsting after the right things, if we are fasting from the things that we need to let go of, and if, therefore, we are hungering and thirsting after righteousness. This is not just a church sermon or a religious way of living. I'm reminded just about every day that we need to connect our faith with our practice. The way we live every day has to be a reflection of a deep consecration for the things of God. I hope, I hope we don't ever get to the place where, like Achan, after the Battle of Jericho, he stole a wedge of gold, was it, and a Babylonish garment, and he thought they were pleasant to the eye because that's what the Bible says about sin. And he hid them under his tent, and when the the people went out to battle, and the next time against Ai, they were defeated, and God told Joshua, you have sin in the camp, you're hiding sin, and you're not going to receive a blessing until you expose it. God help us that none of us here are hiding something. That, because God knows everything, doesn't he? We're not hiding anything from God. But sometimes we think, well... God will understand my hidden sin, or God will understand my ulterior motive, or God will understand my, my, my decision, which I haven't disclosed yet. God will understand. No one else will, so I'm really not going to be sharing this with anybody else, but God will understand, and it's hidden under your tent. God help us that we don't have things hidden under our tent that we're open book, we're an open book, amen. That's where the blessing comes, from just being clear and open with God and man, that we don't have anything hidden, amen, which maybe we're planning on something big, but nobody knows about it, but God understands. There's a danger in that, and I'm wondering if somewhere along the way, we allowed our cup to be filled with the wrong thing, presuming that we were already filled with righteousness. And therefore, by the time God needed to fill us, we were already filled with something else. And you say, well, I wonder how this is a Christmas message. The Christ child comes, not so that we can have pretty lights, not so that we can have nice songs that we only sing at Christmas. No, the Christ child comes to save us from sin, to change us. His advent into the world is a promise. It's a fulfillment of prophecy that the human race would be saved 
from itself. It's still true. And we can't get to the place where we make the presumption that somehow I've got it, I'm, I'm okay, I'm, 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 I'm all here, and I come to church, and I, you know, but then the rest of my life, there's a disconnect. There's, there's a, it's not, it's, not, it's not lined up. And so this is a Christ message. This is a Christian message. If anything, this is a Christian message. All these things about how Christ comes to save us from ourselves. But he, he asks us to recognize certain things. He asks us to recognize a poverty of spirit where we're not self-satisfied. He asks us to recognize at a point in time that we're mourning the loss of a connection with God. And so we're, we're deeply moving in the direction that he wants for us. And, and, and there's a meekness about us where we're easily entreated. Amen. See? He asks us to recognize these things about ourselves. And finally, well, not finally, but along the way, we get to this. And he says, I want you to figure out whether you're hungering and thirsting after what I have for you, or whether you're really still hungering and thirsting after something else. So let's talk about the right hunger and thirst. I'd like to share with you a story that <clears throat> one of my children shared with me recently, and um, very interesting. And I'm, this man, um, it's a true story, and it's, it's on the internet, um, has to do with health and well-being, um, how to take care of your body, how to take care of your mind, and I suppose he thinks how to take care of his spirit, but I'm interested in his, his thoughts about his, his bodily health. I'm gonna translate that into this thought about being hungry and thirsty for the right thing. And whatever this man's name is, it doesn't matter, but <clears throat> this fellow um, kind of came to himself, and he was in his mid-40s by this time, Having decided that he was not happy with his health, uh, he'd gained a lot of weight, and um, he wasn't eating properly, and he wasn't eating at the right time, and he wasn't eating the right things, and he was kind of connecting it with the wrong things, and you know how, how we do when sometimes we go through these spells. But anyways, he came to this place in life where he was upset with himself, and um, he sat down with himself, and I'll paraphrase, some of what he's written, and said, Self, I'm not happy with you. And he divided himself into two selves. His evening self, which was after dinner, and his morning self, from whenever he woke up until into the afternoon. He wasn't so unhappy with his morning, morning self. He felt better in the morning than he did in the evening. And um, so he, he decided that he could work with his morning self, but his evening self, he was quite unhappy with this one. This one would really um, do things that um, weren't healthy. Um, I suppose late at night, he hungered and thirsted after all kinds of sugary things and lots of carbs and all that. And, and this is not a message on, um, on eating healthy, but uh, it, I'm getting to a point here, so you stay with me. 
And, um, and so he, he figured out late at night that wasn't good for him. It wasn't good for his body. And he'd wake up in the morning and his joints were inflamed. Uh, he was sore. Uh, his mind was uh, clouded, I guess. Heavy, he felt heavy and sluggish. And, um, and, and, and sometimes when he woke up, uh, or later in the day, he was irritable and um, jittery and all those kinds of things. And he'd gained a lot of weight. And so this is how he felt about himself. And so he sat down with himself and he had a meeting with, um, with these different selves. And the way he puts it is he decided to fire his evening self. He said, you've done quite a poor job with me in the evening. And so I'm going to have to let you go uh, because you've done such a poor job with managing my body and my mind. Now his morning self, he placed him in charge of his nutrition because he figured, you know what, you make better choices in the morning than you do in the evening. And so he placed his morning self in charge of his nutrition and he let that individual feed his body and hydrate it, give it drink, and he stopped letting the evening self fill him up with sugars and uh, carbohydrates and so forth and so on. Well, along the way, he changed the way he exercised. He said, you know what, my morning self is better at this than my evening self. And so he decided to fire his evening self. And I, and I thought about this, this sounds so strange, doesn't it? like he's looking at himself like different people, right? But you know what? The mind that controls our body can make good decisions or bad decisions, can't it? And this is not only true for our physical health, but it's also true for our mental health and our spiritual health. And he decided there were things about him, you know, because we are stewards of our mental health, our physical health, and our spiritual health, aren't we? We are stewards. We're going to get to a passage here where Jesus reads about a steward. And so he was dissatisfied with the stewardship of his evening self and decided to fire that person from making decisions. You say, brother, how is that possible? Can't you see where we're going with this? Don't you think you could do this? I, I, I thought about this in a spiritual context. And what I wrote down here is what we hunger and thirst for will directly affect this body, won't it? Yeah. Right? We know this. What we hunger and thirst for will either make us healthy or make us unhealthy. And the one that is hungering and thirsting is whichever self is making that decision. Now we have a choice. God tells us we are creatures of free will, aren't we? That we are not destined, and I'm so glad for this, we are not destined to be unhealthy if we have the ability to make choices to be healthy. Now I understand there are things as we get older or at any point in life where we might have a physical condition over which we have no control. That happens, and it doesn't matter, and you can't fire your evening self and change what you have no control over. I get that. But so many of us, we do have control. We do have 
a way that we can influence our health. And what we hunger and thirst for will determine this body and, and how healthy it is. The same is true for our spirit and our mind. He tells us in Romans chapter 12 to have our mind renewed. And that's a decision that we're involved in. We're not in the, in, in the chapter in Romans. We're not the one that does the renewing, but we have authority. We have a decision point to make. Are we going to allow God to do some things? So the same is true in our spirit and our mind. There is a part of us, there is a self here that makes decisions that will affect our spirit and our mind. We get to a place in life where we need to recognize, and it doesn't matter whether it's when we're a sinner seeking salvation or whether we are a saint and we're seeking to, to, be, to, to, to keep being a saint. There could come a, a moment in our life when we need to fire the self that has been making spiritual decisions. We need to fire that self. Because the self that has been making our spiritual decisions at points in time has been doing a very poor job. For example, before the Lord saves us, there was a part of us that was making decisions that affected our spiritual health. And what happens is you get to a place in life and you realize this part of myself has been doing a very poor job with my spirit. And so you have a talk with yourself and you say, self, you could call it David number one. You say, David number one, <clears throat> I'm sorry, but you're, I'm going to have to let you go. You're out of the job. Because why? Because you've been doing such a poor job as a steward of, your, of my spiritual health. You see, this is where we take control. We take responsibility for our own behavior and for what we believe and how we put it in practice. Sometimes we have to fire ourselves because our self has not been making good decisions. Now the question becomes, brother, how is that possible? Who is left then to make these decisions? And I'll jump ahead and I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit. The one who needs to take the place of the one that you fire is the Holy Spirit. And if we're serious about this, we will say, self, you've been doing rather a poor job and I don't care whether we've been saved 60 years or we've been in sin 60 years. It doesn't matter. If we get to the place where we recognize that self has not been performing up to the standard that God can fill us, then we need to let that self go and invite the Holy Spirit now to make those decisions. Amen. This is how we start to get hungry and thirsty after the right things. We fire ourselves, and we invite the Holy Spirit to take his place. Amen. That's a decision we have to make. Now, when this person that I refer to had this discussion with himself, look, at he got to the place in life where he was just so dissatisfied, he realized that if I keep going the way I'm going, I I I'm going to make myself ill because of the decisions that I'm making. 
And he got to the place in life where he said, you know what? I, I, I'm going to have, there's part of me that makes good decisions. I, I want to empower that person. And then there's part of me that continually makes bad decisions. Amen. You know how this goes. We all have things about ourselves that we would rather change or we would rather do better or we would rather stop doing. We used to have a little model at, at a workplace that I was in once where they talked about three things. What are we going to keep doing? What are we going to stop? And what are we going to start? And we applied this a lot to just double check and make sure that our business was running the way we wanted it to. What are we going to keep doing because it's what we should be doing? That's the part of you that's making good decisions. Keep, keep that person empowered. Feed that person. And if we're talking about the, the spiritual you, then feed that part of you that's healthy with what you know will help that person thrive. Keep doing that. There are things sometimes that come along that we should stop doing because they're not helping us in a spiritual sense. If we are somehow not getting anything out of our personal devotions, it's just a, a page in a book. It's, it's not helping me. I'm not feeding from it. Then sometimes, sometimes, just reading the next chapter or the next page is not going to feed you. Just, just doing the same thing that's not helping is not going to feed you. It might be that so, you need to change something about the way you're studying the Bible. Not just reading words, closing the book, and putting away, and then, look, it's not helping me any. It's not feeding my spirit. Sometimes we need to stop doing some things. And therefore, we need to start doing something else that we've not done yet. Sometimes we need to continue to do things that help, stop doing things that don't, and start doing some things that we need to start doing. But in all of this, that part of us that's making these bad decisions, we need to fire that person. You need to tell yourself, you're out of a job, self. That part of me that's making bad decisions, I, today, I declare that person is out of a job. And don't rehire that person. This is, I'm talking about you. That part of us that's making bad decisions, you decide. You, you ask the Lord to show you that part of me that I'm not happy with, which is, which is making my spiritual health worse. Fire that person and hire the Holy Spirit. Hire the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 16. You say, brother, where's the biblical witness of this? So we'll read what Jesus had to say about it. We need to be hungry and thirsty for the right things. And if we're not a good steward of that, there needs to be a change of employment. Luke 16 and the first 13 verses, Jesus said there was a certain rich man, he had a steward or a manager, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. This is what I'm talking about. If a part of us has wasted our spirit, then we're in this story right here. 
And so the certain rich man called the manager and said to him, how, how, how is that that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship because you're fired. Basically, he said, you know what? Draw up all the accounts, all my creditors that owe me something, draw it up so I know where my business is, I know how much you've stolen from me because you're fired. This is the last thing I want you to do. This rich man was letting go the manager of his business. Then the steward said within himself, what shall I do for my Lord taketh away from me my st the stewardship? He said, what am I gonna do? I'm out of a job. And he said to the first, or excuse me, and, the, and then he said, um, I cannot dig. In other words, I, I don't have the ability to earn my living by manual labor, and to beg, I am ashamed. If I can't be employed, I have to beg, but I don't wanna beg because that would be a shame. So I figure, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I am resolved what to do, therefore, that when I am put out of this stewardship, he knew he lost his job. They may receive me into their houses, these that owed his master money. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him and said to the first, how much, these are debtors, not creditors, I beg your pardon. How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, take thy bill and sit down quickly and write 50. In other words, he's saying, okay, look it. I'll let you cut your, your debt in half. Just give me what you got. Why? Because he was looking for a place to stay after he had lost his job. And he wanted, he wanted, some, he wanted to gain some relationship with the people that had a relationship with his master. And he, he said this to another, how much do you owe? A hundred measures of wheat. And he said, take thy bill and write four score, write 80. The Lord commended the unjust steward because he, because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And I'm not going into that. That's not where I'm headed here. And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when you fail or when you die, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. Now there's textual commentary about this passage, and I don't want to go into that this morning either. I'm headed to a point here. He that is faithful in much, or is he that is faithful in that which is least, is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in the least, is unjust also in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant shall serve two masters, for either hate the one, love the other, or hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Now there's some lessons in here which apply to our Matthew text in chapter five, okay? But the first thing I wanted to draw from this is the master fired his steward because the steward wasn't performing his duties. If you go back to chapter 15 in Luke, there are other stories that Jesus reads which are similar to this, including the prodigal son 
Now, the prodigal son in both of these stories, in the prodigal son and the unjust steward, both of these people, the unjust steward and the prodigal, have got themselves in a pickle. They have been very poor managers of their spirit. And the both of them then get to the place when they run out of riches, when they run out of the, the wealth of this world, both of them get to the place where they start to change their behavior because they realize, I can't keep going the way I'm going. Saints, we need to get to the place today where if ever in our life we realize we are, are not as healthy as we need to be spiritually, we need to get to the place where there's a crisis like what these folks came to, the unjust steward or the prodigal. There's nothing wrong with doing a self-examination in life at, from time to time and realizing, I am not where I need to be. And it needs to get to the place where it changes our behavior, just as with the prodigal and just with this one. His behavior doesn't change, the steward, until he's fired. You see that? Then he gets busy. He starts cutting deals with all the, all the debtors, and he starts to, to earn something for his master. Up until that point, he was doing nothing. He was wasting his master's assets. The prodigal the same way. Up until he finds himself in the hog pit, he was wasting. That's a prodigal. Both of these are wasters. We can get to the place, anyone can get to the place where we are wasting our master's assets. And until we get to the place where we want to do something about it, nothing will change. And the reason people don't do something about it is because they are hungry and thirsty after the wrong things. And they have been filled with the hunger and the thirst or filled with the food and the drink of the mammon of this world and not righteousness. I, 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 I think I'm jumping ahead of myself. I bought these cups here. And these represent us. At any point in time, as a sinner, as a saint, something is filling your cup. Something is filling your cup. Attitudes are filling our cup. Opinions are filling our cup. Laziness is filling our cup. Self-satisfaction can fill a cup. A desire for something other than righteousness is filling the cup. Now, these are us. At any point in time, if that's what's filling our cup, then there's something in here that the Lord can't fill, right? If this is half full of all that stuff that I just mentioned, then that only leaves half for the Lord. And today, that's not enough. That's not enough. The Lord doesn't want half of our cup. He wants the whole thing. And not only the whole thing, he wants to keep filling so stuff pours out so that other people can taste and see what is good. 
But half of it, if half of it is those things that, that we've got in there, then there's too much in the cup and the Lord can't fill it. And we need to allow the Holy Spirit to examine us. And if we've been filling things in that cup, that, that, that kind of stuff that I mentioned, we need to fire ourselves and ask God to become the steward of our asset. Amen. Now, if the cup is empty, there comes a point in time where we realize, Lord, forgive me, because I've allowed things to fill my cup. I'm burdened this morning. I'm burdened this morning. That we get to the place where we become self-satisfied. We're looking for the another... The, the, we're just looking forward to the next fulfillment that we find in this world. Whether it's with family, whether it's with something else, we're just looking forward to the next moment in time where, where, where you know, that, that's what fills me. Then there's too much in your cup. And you need to fire the person that's making that decision. And go to God and ask him to send a manager to make that decision for you. Now, if we find that there's something in our cup like this, we have a choice. We can either fire that unjust steward or we can keep him in business and keep making the same decisions. And guess what? After a while, the assets of that rich man, they're gonna be gone because that unjust steward will either have stolen them or he have ceased to collect for the, the boss, right? And so, and so the rich man, who's the type of God, finds this and he says, no, no, there comes a point in life where I'm going to call you to an account. And it's going to be long before you die. I'm going to call you to account. And if we get in that place and the Lord talks to us, we have a choice. We can pour out what we have filled this cup with and said, I've not done a, a good job with this. And we can set it down here empty. And at that point, there will be a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Because we have discovered that I have filled my cup with worldly mammon. And it's not just the love of riches. It's the ideas, the attitudes, the opinions, the, the, the stuff that, that, that we put in there. It could be, and I, I, look, at it could be anything. It doesn't have to be evil. It could be just our stuff. But if we put it in there and it fill it up, he doesn't have any room. And so he tells us, pour it out. And when it's empty, and if you did it for me, if you did it for me, you will begin to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness. And when you get hungry and thirsty for righteousness, I will fill you. If you fire yourself and allow me to manage you, I will fill you to overflowing. It makes perfect sense. When Jesus is in Matthew, that's why he's saying, the hungry and the thirsty shall be filled because they fired themselves. All right. So we have to hunger and thirst after the right thing. 
I told you that that parable of the prodigal was similar to the parable of the steward here. There's another way to look at this, and when we talk about firing the self that's making bad decisions, sometimes <clears throat> if you're in a, an employment and you realize, I'm not in the right place, this isn't a good fit for me, and you seek other employment, or you seek another manager, you go to the place where you're working and you write a letter of resignation. And you go to the employer and you say, you know, this is just not, not the right fit for me. I'm going to have to resign. I'm going to have to resign here. This is my last day. When the prodigal wasted his father's substance and found himself in the pit of sin, he came to himself. I love this part. And he wrote a letter of resignation to the devil and to sin. And he didn't say, dear devil. He said, you hard taskmaster, colon. I hereby resign my association with you. Everything that you made me do, everything I did on your account, I regret. I don't want, I don't want you as my boss anymore. This is a serious letter of resignation. Effective immediately, because I'm eating corn husks and all of the wealth that my father gave me, I have wasted because, because of those poor decisions, I hereby resign from your kingdom. And not only that, that's, that's the letter of resignation that he gives the devil. He writes another one. Dear self, dear self, you are now fired. You've done such a poor job with your spirit. I, I'm now seek, I, I, I will now be seeking employment in the kingdom of God. And I have, I have um, placed myself under the management of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, self, effective immediately, I fire you from managing my spirit. And when the, the prodigal came to himself, that's what happened. He wrote some letters of resignation. And he, he decided that he would leave that pit and go back to his father. This is, this is not just a story. This is real. We have to get to the thing where we see ourselves in a pit. We are, see, see ourselves as this unjust steward where we, we see ourselves, I'm now out of a job. And, th and then we have to say, what comes next? What shall I start doing? This is what I will stop doing. 
He came to himself. He said, ah, I will go back to my father and I will allow him to make me his hired servant. He will be my master. You see what he did? He fired himself. And he, he was going to make his father his master. When he did that, he was saved. We have to do the same thing today. Now look, we can also get to the place where once upon a time we did that, but if we have gotten to the place where we continue to make decisions that are not in our best spiritual interest. I'm not the first one that's coming up with this thing I'm gonna tell you now, but I like it. You know how when you buy a toy at the store and the packaging says, some assembly required? It's got 87 pieces, right? And you have to put it together to make it work, right? The same is true for church. There's some assembly required. And if we get to the place where we discount the assembling of ourselves together, you need to fire that person. Some assembly required. What time does church start here on Sunday morning? 10.30? 10.30, Sunday morning. What time does it start on Sunday morning? It starts at 9.30. It starts at 9.30. Some assembly required. And if we're making other decisions, we need, to, we need to look deep into the motive for that decision. Now, sometimes things happen beyond our control. They happen on that day. I get that. But do you understand what I'm saying? This is serious business, the time that we're living in. None of us have ever been as old as we are right now. It's brand new. We're all experiencing things we've never experienced before. True story. Why? Because you were never alive, like until now, in this moment. So, of course things are going to change. Of course they're going to be different. But some things never change. Some assembly required. Amen. So as things change, some things we still need to keep doing and not stop doing. Sometimes we stop doing the wrong, we stop doing the right thing. All right. We need a hunger and thirst after the right thing. We need to fast from some things. We need to fast from sin to stop wasting our spiritual life. We can't be filled until we stop doing some things. We need to fast from sin. There's no question that what Jesus is teaching here is fasting from unrighteousness. You see how the steward had wasted his master's goods. And it's a type of his life. He's wasted his life. The prodigal, he's wasted his life. Until we stop doing some things, we can't be filled. We can't be filled until we're empty. You know what it feels like to miss a meal, don't you? Most of us. And you get that little knot in your stomach, right? 
or if you've ever fasted from something, you know how you feel, right? It's different than when you're full, right? That's how we need to feel spiritually. There's this emptiness, this longing, this, this desire to be filled, right? That's what it means to be filled with righteousness, is that, that kind of feeling. But do we get to the place where we're just happy and sassy and content, filled with the wrong thing? We can't be filled with the right thing until we fast from sin. As long as we fill our minds and our souls with spiritual junk food, we'll never hunger and thirst for righteousness. Spiritual junk food is the mammon of this life. It's deceptive, it's deceitful. It promises happiness and contentment and excitement and all this stuff. That's spiritual junk food. Amen. Spirit, junk food is, it's junk, what we call junk food. It's junk food because it, it, for somehow in the American diet, they've, they've managed to create it in such a way that it does something to the brain. The salt and sugar thing in the American diet, right? It, it, salt and sugar, they, they, they work together in this diet to create a greater desire. It's almost an addiction for that, right? You know how it is. If you, um, if you get addicted to any beverage or any type of food, and ultimately it's not good for your body, because we, we can be addicted for good things too. It's, it's rewired something in your brain. Your brain is now screaming for sugar or screaming for something. There's such a thing as spiritual junk food. It's the mammon of this world. I tell you, I, I, I'm sorry, and, I, and I, hope, I, hope, I hope this comes across right. I really don't like the vanity of life. I have, I have, if I have a bad attitude, it's against the vanity of life. The next tabloid, you know, marriage and divorce scandal or the next, um, you know, I, I don't understand why people are attracted to certain celebrities and what they're wearing or not wearing, or where they're going or not going, or who they're seeing or not seeing. It's almost as if people are living their lives through these characters, because it's not real. And good people, I mean, we all have interests, and, and you can get involved in this stuff, and it starts to fill your cup, and it creates attitudes. Do you know what? There's also, there's also political attitudes. Oh, if there was ever political attitudes, it's, it's, it's come out in the last several years. That can fill your cup. I don't care what the attitude is or where it comes from. If it's filling your cup, you won't be hungry and thirsty for righteousness. People will say they're hungry and thirsty, and they'll say, that person can't be hungry and thirsty for righteousness because they belong to a certain political party. That person can't be hungry and thirsty because they belong to a certain political party. All of that is nonsense. It's vanity. They've filled their, equally filled their things with stuff that is not righteousness. 
it has somehow come to believe that the other is the unrighteous one, and none of her talking about righteousness. So I really have a problem with vanity. Fasting from sin. That, if we hunger and thirst after the right thing, if we fast from the wrong thing, it will lead us to hungering and thirsting after righteousness. In Luke 16, again, in, in that verse that I think we read in 15, or maybe we didn't get that far. And the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things, and they derided Jesus. And they said to him, Ye are, are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. That's what I just commented on. The attitude of the Pharisees who are listening to these parables was that they were self-satisfied and they were as much in love with the world as their professed love for heaven. And so there's this constant pull back to the vanity of life. And Jesus in Matthew 5 is saying to the people, escape the vanity of life. And I added to that, fire the person that's making the decisions that wants you to go back into the vanity of life and hire the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and this is, I think, the last scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Being filled with righteousness. That's what we're talking about. And verse 10. 12.10. Okay. The apostle said, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am what? When I am empty, when I am hungry and thirsty, then what? Then I'm strong. So the advantage to the Christian, or to every human, is to empty themselves and to take pleasure in this way. In other words, to, to value righteousness more than vanity. Then I'm actually strong. To recognize when I am weak, I am strong. When we fast from sin, there's two things that happen. The Holy Spirit, who wants to be our manager, will now be able to draw us to God. That's the first thing that happens. Secondly, Jesus, who is the son of righteousness, will fill us. And his desire. Those two things happen when we fast from sin. Why do you think Jesus himself fasted and prayed? Like it says, he went up to the mountaintop to fast and pray. Why do you think he did that? I wonder if it's because he recognized the pull of vanity of life. And he decided, I need to get out of here sometimes. I, I, I wonder if there were things that were even trying to fill his cup. 
Maybe it was discouragement. Maybe it was a kind of depression. Maybe it was a, a kind of mental attitude or thing. And, and, and maybe he decided he needed to fast from vanity. He needed to get away and, and, and have his cup as, as the human filled. So Jesus is, is the example. He fasted and prayed that he could be filled. You say, how could Jesus never be filled? Uh, uh, there were times when Jesus was disappointed with his disciples. Have I, been, have I been with you so long and you haven't seen the Father? I have no place where to lay my head. There were, there were times where he was disappointed. He's our example. I mentioned there are things that we need to fast from so that the Lord can fill us. I think one of the things that on an ongoing basis we need to fast from is our own opinions. Anybody here have an opinion about anything? There's times when we need to go on a fast. We need to allow the manager to determine our opinion. And in order for that to happen, we might need to go on a fast at times from our, well, brother, I think this, I think about, anybody have an opinion about COVID? Now I'm going to get down to real business, and I'm almost done. You might need to have a fast. Well, brother, are you asking me to adopt somebody else's opinion? No, I'm just asking you, are you willing to allow the Holy Spirit to manage your opinions? What that means is, I'm willing. I may not change my opinion, but I'm willing to let you examine them. And therefore, I'm willing to stop opining about something if you want to change me. And I would like to continue opining about things if you're willing to let me have that. And if there's something that you want me to start having an opinion on, I would like you to help me with that also. One of the things we need to fast from is our own opinions. And then pray, Lord, fill my cup. We need to fire that part of ourself, which is making decisions that are not in our best interest. And pray to be filled with the righteousness of God and stay hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Amen. How is it with us? How is it with us? Is there anybody here? I, I, look, I, this, this past week or two, we'll see if I rehire him. But I fired David number one. I... I was like the rich man and the steward. It had been coming for a long time. I knew I, I, knew I was going to have to have a personnel decision with David number one. I knew we were going to have to have this talk. And we, we'll see. We'll see how it happens. But I, I decided I'm, to, for some things I'm going to have to fire him for certain things that I, I wanted to change. But if it has to do with our spirit this morning, and there's a part of you that's been making bad decisions, I would invite you to accept a letter of resignation.
from that part of yourself. But you're also going to have to hire the Holy Spirit. You're going to have to hire the Holy Spirit, and you're going to have to hire Jesus. And I would invite you to do that. Otherwise, some things are never going to change. Let's stand.